In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant and we're glad that you're joining us here today on The Career Confidant. We're going to be talking about important topics for your career and moving it forward, keeping it stable. Today we're excited to have Laura Khalil here and she is going to be talking about how we can deal with microaggressions and bias in the workplace and uh, Laura, we're just so glad that you're here to join us. Marie, thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to be here with your audience. Um, Where would you like me to begin? (laughs) Yes. So one of the things that we've been talking about here on the show for a while, and it was actually one of the topics of our trends paper this year, is the idea of unconscious bias and how it's impacting everyone's career. So I'm wondering if you could tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about what that means and specifically the term microaggressions and how you've seen that play out in people's careers. Absolutely. So let's, um, let me start by just level setting on what these terms mean. And I'm going to read you some very general definitions. Unconscious biases are essentially learned stereotypes that we all have. They're usually unintentional um, and they influence behavior. So for example, If I'm walking down the street and I see a bear, I'm going to run. And that's because we have an automatic response to know bear means danger, okay? But sometimes those responses can include how we view people who are different from us. So, um, you know, we have to examine what are the biases we have around people who are older than us, who maybe look different than us, who may have different abilities than us. And the way that those unconscious biases um, present themselves verbally is through what we call microaggressions. And microaggressions are statements or actions that are usually very subtle and unintentional, but they discriminate against individuals, typically of a marginalized group. So when we're talking about this in the workplace, we are typically, I'll give you examples. So my work, I grew up um, and cut my teeth, so to speak, in the tech world. And one of the things that I heard as a woman in tech often was, well, we don't really hire women engineers here. That's an example of a microaggression. Um, It's a very subtle thing that sort of suggests that they've never worked with women in that function before, that women are not competent in in a function of being an engineer, and that you're also not welcome. And those types of things can seem very minor, like smile more, soften your language. Maybe you could be nicer to the guys in the office. Why are you so emotional? All those sorts of statements that are typically made by men towards women are great examples of how microaggression presents itself in the workplace. And that's a result of people's unconscious biases, thinking that women need to be nice, thinking that women need to be pleasant, docile, pleasing, 
Um, and this, uh, perpetuating this myth that women are overly emotional. And actually, I would tell your audience, what I notice more often is actually men have much more difficulty managing their emotions than women do. And you can ask most women who have been in tough situations, and I'm sure as you know, we are the masters of our emotions nine times out of ten. Um, so that is typically, those are what microaggressions are, what unconscious biases, and how it appears in the office. And the fact is it's incredibly demoralizing for individuals to go through this. And worse yet, they don't know how to respond when it happens. So one of the things that we can think about when we're dealing with um, hearing those types of statements is um, the first thing is to not answer it. So if someone makes a statement to me that sounds, uh, that makes me kind of like get angry, that's typically a microaggression that's coming up. And we don't, we often don't know how to respond. I mean, when someone says to you, oh, like, we haven't really hired women in accounting before. And you're the first accounting person in your job. And you're, and you're a woman and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what do I even say to that? Right? I mean, that's how most women respond. They don't know what to say. And so typically women will try to giggle or look away or try to get away from this person. And in doing that, without giving them feedback about what they've said, we're actually emboldening that behavior. So we're letting people know, oh, it's okay to treat me this way because I haven't told you it's wrong and maybe I've laughed and maybe I've sort of walked away or brushed it off. And what I encourage women to do when they're in a situation where someone says something that kind of makes you uncomfortable is quite simply to not answer the question or statement and to respond back to them with a question. And so when we do that, what happens is something really interesting. So when we respond with a question about what was just said to us, such as, why did you say that? What did you mean by that? Do you think that's funny? Do you think that's appropriate? And we say that in a very calm, clear voice that's not shrill, that's not high-pitched, that's not hysterical, what we're really doing is we are forcing the other person to recognize and have a moment of recognition about what they've just said. And typically when we do this, people will say, oh, yeah, actually, that was kind of a weird statement I made. I'm really sorry. But when we don't say anything about the statement, it perpetuates it. It gets bigger. It gets larger. It blows um, totally out of scale. So that's what I would say, um, sort of in a nutshell, is what I would recommend to individuals. Yeah, and the hard part about that is, as you said, you want to respond and try to curb your emotions, give that person the benefit yep. of the doubt. I mean, you're not excusing the behavior, but you're not um, jumping right to how horrible of a person they are, right? You're just exactly. giving them the, the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. Most people have no idea how you are being affected by their words. And that's really important for people to remember. We have to teach people how to treat us. They do not know. They may think, especially like if we're talking about people that hang out kind of in like a locker room type work environment, they may be very used to working in a certain way and not realize that not everyone is comfortable with that, especially if we don't tell them. 
So the best thing you can do is respond with a question about what was said. You know, I love whenever I hear a man say to a woman, oh my gosh, you're being so emotional. My favorite response for the woman is to say, why are you so emotional? Because it's not actually, most of the time, the woman's not being emotional. It's actually the guy that's being emotional, but doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. And so we see really interesting ways of this playing out. But yes, give people the benefit of the doubt. Do not jump down their throats and really ask a question about the behavior in a calm, collected way. It is a great way to improve dialogue, improve conversation, and actually build connection and community with people, which I think is what people fear. They fear the opposite. They fear that someone's going to get upset with them. Nine times out of ten, that's not what happens. Nine times out of ten, someone says, oh, wow, yeah, okay, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Right, and you actually undermine the relationship by not saying anything because then you're walking away feeling worse about the person and not giving them the opportunity to build connection with you. Completely, and you create a whole story in your head, right? And we've all done it. We've been upset by someone, and we haven't told them. So we've created an entire narrative of what's going on and what they said and how it upset us and without and thinking about what their motives were. And the easiest solution is to just go talk to them. But we're often afraid to do that because we're afraid of the consequences. But the consequences of going to talk to someone and be honest are very rarely reprimand. The consequences are very often deepening your connection and bond with that person. Remember, very few people are actually on this planet trying to actively do you any harm. Most people are just trying to get by. Most people are totally in their heads about stuff. And by helping them express what they really meant or helping them understand how it made you feel can actually help them work better with you. It's the opposite of what most people fear. Right. And most people are just kind of worried about themselves. And so, as you said, they don't think about the impact of their words. And they are just responding in ways that they've been conditioned to do so. Not that that excuses it. But, you know, if they've been used to interacting with a group of people and those responses garnering positive feedback you know, camaraderie, they're just used to that, but they don't, they want that camaraderie. So show them how to build camaraderie with you, right? Absolutely. And everyone craves human connection at the most basic level. We all want to be connected to others. And some of the greatest form of suffering that we see is this terrible disconnect. And Really, conversation, language is such a beautiful way to help start bringing people together. I will tell you that we know from the science that language is horribly misunderstood. And that's why it's so important to be clear with people. Um, And here's what I mean by that. So if I make a statement to you, you're going to hear my tone. You're going to hear how you've heard that statement made by people in the past. You're going to hear your prior memories, trauma, experiences around people like me or statements like that. You're going to um, inject and infuse, and this happens in a split second, infuse all of that prior data into understanding the words coming out of my mouth. 
And so what that means is that we are terrible at understanding one another. We inject our biases into what people say, our personal limitations into what people say, our our self-imposed limitations into what they say, and then we hear certain things. That's why we need to ask them what they said. Tell me, what did you mean by that? Because you do not know what they meant. I guarantee you, you do not know what they meant. You think you know what they meant, and that's the cause of your frustration. Actually asking them, what did you mean? Because I heard something different. What they could have meant when they say, hey, you know, we've never hired women in engineering. What they could have meant is, I'm so excited that we've finally hired a woman in engineering. That could be the meaning, but you don't know that. What they could be saying is, I have a young daughter who I also want to become an engineer, and I'm excited for you to be her role model, right? What they could also be saying is, I've never worked with a woman before, and I'm scared. So, you know, this is the type of stuff that we only understand through inquiry, through putting aside our beliefs, our assumptions, and really connecting with people. And it's a beautiful thing when it happens. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to take a short break and when we come back, explore a little bit how this impacts our current situation. Um, you know, lots more email happening right now. And that's a cool. yeah. that's a that's a place where this happens all the time. So we're going to talk a little bit more about how this might be impacting your current situation beyond even just gender. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America. America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. 
Hello, and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking to Laura Khalil, and we've been talking about microaggressions and unconscious bias and how this happens in the workplace. And we've talked a lot about how it specifically relates to gender. It's just an easy example. It can happen with a lot of other different types of bias. And I want to talk a little bit about how this plays out on email and maybe video conference, because we know that a lot of you right now, especially around the world, I guess, maybe more in the Northern Hemisphere, but also in Australia, are working at home. And you're sending emails when you used to be able to go and talk to that person. And this makes it more challenging, right, Laura, to to have these conversations via email? Completely. Um, I mean, and we are in an, I mean, truly uncharted waters. This is an unprecedented time in human history, or at least in our existence. Um, For those of us um, currently going through the COVID-19 situation, and so one, people are stressed out. So keep this in mind when you're emailing or you're receiving email. People are stressed out. Many people are trying to juggle their children and their professional responsibilities. Um, And then they're also trying to get on work calls or Zoom or email or Slack or whatever it may be and pull it all together and get work done. So this is an incredibly challenging time. So the first thing I want to say to everyone who's listening, please assume no ill intent by any of your coworkers because if communication is breaking down a little bit right now in your workplace, it's probably because people have a lot going on. The second thing is, When we are communicating with people um, and when we are emailing people, it is so important that we do not assume that they understand what we're talking about. So we use very clear language. If you're talking about a project, name the project. Be really, really clear in how you're using things. And also remember to encourage one another and thank one another for their help. Often especially if we're in the office, like we might meet someone in the break room or we might meet someone at lunch and be like, hey, thanks so much. That was really cool. We don't often think that we need to email people or Slack people about that stuff, but it's really important so that we all feel like valued members of our team. You know, and to that point, I would encourage everyone to check themselves around coworkers. We're noticing that there's a lot of microaggressions and a lot of racism occurring around um, people who are, for example, Asian, which is sort of crazy because, you know, it's not like they are the cause of the virus. It's not right. So check yourself. If you find yourself making statements or thinking things about a particular population, remember, we're all in this together. This is one of the rare moments in humanity where We're going to put aside our political differences, put aside, um, you know, our sexual orientation differences, put aside our genders and all fight for the same cause. We are unifying around this cause of getting rid of this um, terrible virus. So um, that's the first thing is to be gentle and also take care of yourself. Because uh, if you are feeling run into the ground by everything going on, please take a moment, um, if you're able to go into an area outside that's not populated and you can socially distance, do that. Get, a, get some fresh air. Um, 
if that means learning to meditate. Meditation and mindfulness is a great way to reduce stress. We already know that stress is among the number one killers in the world. And so if you are feeling extremely high levels of stress, meditation, five, try it, five minutes is a great way to get started. There's tons of apps, tons of YouTube videos um, that can actually help you with that mindfulness. Great tools and strategies to sort of de-escalate that stress. Um, so that's really what I would recommend is put in a strategy. And remember, don't assume ill intent. And then if something bothers you, pick up the phone and call them or jump on a link, a video conferencing link, and chat with people about it. Hey, we're all going through this. Everyone needs to talk. One of the things that I instituted with um, my podcast, which is called Brave by Design, we've started doing a virtual happy hour. And so we've done that even though I, you know, run my own business. I invite people to come in from the community and, like, let's just have a chat. You sit in your couch or at your desk, bring coffee, tea, wine, whatever you want, chat. So try that with your company. Try that with people at your office. Try that with your friends as a way to get social interaction, to decompress from the stress of what's going on. Bring your kids. Have them on your lap. Do what you need to do. It's a wonderful way that we can foster connection in a safe distance. Right. And you said this, but just to point it out again, that if an email catches you wrong or you think, what is that person thinking or they're so whatever, calm down, take a walk, Mm -hmm. meditate, or set a time the next day with them via email to talk it over the phone. Because there's nothing worse than things escalating because you misunderstood the first time. Whereas if you get on the phone or or a video call, but sometimes a phone can be easier for people that aren't Mm -hmm. really comfortable with video. And yeah, just don't let it escalate via email. Give them a call, figure it out. You know, Marie, that's a great point. One of the things to one of the things you said, please do not respond to people in anger. Take a day take a couple hours, whatever it is that you need, because when we respond in anger, we're not being ourselves and we're not being charitable to the other person. So I I absolutely love um, that you brought that up. I love that piece of advice. Well, and I think we can feel pressure today to respond instantly. And so that's okay. You can respond to that person and say, thank you for your email. I'll get back with you tomorrow. You don't necessarily want to be have them feel like you're being passive aggressive by not responding, but right. it's it's okay to not go in depth or thank you for your email. Perhaps it would be better if we chatted about this over the phone. Let's find a time tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think phone calls honestly alleviate so much confusion that we see in email. Um, and I also think it's important for you, you, and your coworkers or employees to know what's going on in the other person's life. That's why I like the idea of a more casual get together with people, something that you would normally do at lunch, but that helps you know, like, Hey, how are your kids doing? Are you managing? Okay. You know, you never think to ask those questions of people, but at this time it is more important than ever that we Make sure we're engaging with people, not just on, like, is your work done, but, like, how are you? Are you doing all right? 
Do you need something? Is there a way that we can help you? And please feel, you know, feel emboldened to ask those questions of yourself, you know, and let people know. Don't be afraid to tell everyone, you know, we're, this is unprecedented. We are all in this together. Um, you know, everyone is having the same experience of shock and overwhelm and stress. So you're not alone. Yeah, it, you know, I just sat on one of those calls today with a group of coaches, and it was so powerful um, to create those communities for you. And, and we've been doing it quarterly within my organization, but we're going to switch to doing it more frequently now that all of this is has kind of rocked our worlds. Um, but it is important to connect in with family, with friends, and video is, is nice, especially with family and friends, to get that more face-to-face kind of communication and really understand that you are still connected, even though you might not be able to travel and see each other, you know, even around town or down the block, like you used to be able to. Totally. Yes, it is the best. Um, And just to see their faces, you know, know everyone's okay. Uh, One of the things that we've been doing in our Brave by Design group is we're saying, hey, what do you guys need? And what most people are saying is they need more of that. They need more human interaction, even if we can only do it through a video chat. So it's really cool. Um, And uh, it's free, you know. It's an easy thing to do. So I recommend trying that out. Um, And remembering, again, that we're all human. Uh, We're not automatons. And I would ask for managers to really begin to think about looking at their management style, about how they're managing, how um, that this is not business as usual, and that some of the traits around a great manager are around supporting your employees, not just professionally, but making sure that they're also personally supported or that you're someone that they feel they can talk to about, you know, why they're going to be late or why they can't make a meeting, right? Because that's going to be happening more. And so uh, managers, please begin to strengthen those empathy muscles. They are so important. They actually help us build. We have all the research shows. We actually just did an episode of this. Um, All the research shows that empathy helps build engagement. So empathetic leadership caring about employees, listening to employees, putting yourself in their shoes, and then taking compassionate action to help them is how we build engaged teams. It's how we help our customers, like, rave about us because we go the extra mile, and it's totally worth it. And so that kind of takes us to the other side of bias, right? So we talked that first of the conversation around bias and what bias is and Um, some specific ways that people can respond to bias. But where you're heading now is more around how can we, I don't want to say prevent bias, but counteract it to the best of our ability. And one, as you said earlier, it's acknowledging it, knowing where our areas of bias might be, like, you know, heads up Mm -hmm. if you've got one person on your management team, probably highly likely that the people on the team are biased against women. It's not that they're bad people just that they're not used to leading with a woman on the team. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, talk about some of these ways that, Laura, you talk about in terms of engagement. But I also want to frame them in ways that it's 
preventing bias, preventing some of these communication issues by building up our muscles in some of these other areas, empathy being one of them. So we'll take a short break and we'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking with Laura Khalil about bias, unconscious bias, and how we can build better communication within our teams, especially in this time of dealing electronically, (laughs) an additional barrier that that puts up in our communication. So, Laura, thank you for sharing that. And as we were just finishing our last segment, we started to talk about the new skills that leaders need. And I always define leaders very loosely, right? You can be a leader in your team. You can be a leader in a lot of different ways. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have the title of manager. But this this change, this recent change. I don't like to call it a crisis, but um, it really has given us a pointed look at something that was coming to a head anyways. We were starting to see that empathy was more important. Emotional intelligence was more important. We were starting to see all of this anyways, and now it's just been like, boom, right there. You've got <laughs> you've got to get it together and do this better. So, what are some of the skills that you're seeing people really need to be engaged and to have engaged teams? Okay, so what I want to talk about is how men and people in leadership can be great allies to those who are coming up the ranks, okay? And we can do this virtually, we can do this in person. So I want to share information that will help the audience 
you know, no matter, you know, after, long after this um, passes, that'll still be of use to you. Excellent. All right, so the first thing I want to say is if you really want to be an ally for a woman, woman or an ally for someone who's coming up through the ranks, there are very specific things that we need you to do, especially if you're in a position of power. The first of those is we know from the research that, <clears throat> excuse me, Marie, we know from the research that women are interrupted much more often in meetings than men. This can actually also occur on our channels of video communication, phone communication, as well as Slack. If that's happening, you have a responsibility to speak up in the moment and say, let her finish, because this is something that happens and we need advocates to help stop it. The second thing that we need um, your help with is when there's an idea that comes up that is proposed by someone, make sure we don't lose who the idea owner is. Again, we know from the research that often when women come up with an idea, it's ignored. Ten minutes later, someone else in the room says it, and everyone adopts it. Those types of biases may continue to happen. Because, by the way, we can't get rid of biases. This is the crazy thing. It's very hard to get rid of unconscious bias because it's unconscious. So what we need to do is recognize when it's happening and take corrective measure. And, by the way, we know from all the research as well that bias training that tries to remove bias actually has the unintended consequence of entrenching the biases it's trying to remove. It's uh, unbelievable. So don't try to remove the bias. Don't try to say, I don't have biases. You have biases. Own that you have biases. Admit that you have biases and say, and when I see that happening or when I do it, I will correct myself. I will acknowledge it's happened and correct myself because it's going to be very hard for you to completely get rid of them. Okay? Second thing, or third thing I should say, men need to start sponsoring women, sponsoring women into management opportunities and recognizing that we know again from the research that women are promoted on having done the job where men are promoted on potential for being able to do the job. That's what all of the research shows. This is, again, another bias that we need to look at. And when we are in the process of doing 360 reviews, when we are in the process of thinking about promotion, we put in a plan for how are we going to get more minorities? How are we going to get more women up the ladder? We don't just say it. We set a plan to do it so that the next time we are going and looking at the promotional schedule, we're looking to move people up the ranks, we say, no, 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 we have a plan to do it, and we're going to use the plan to affect the change, because otherwise we keep falling into the biases. And um, there's just so much research to show that. So develop a plan. Support women. Speak up for women or minorities. And help advocate for us. You need to be a vocal advocate for a woman. It is incredibly important. And uh, it's actually a really cool thing to do. It kind of shows that you are, you know, with the times. 
And by the way, we also know from the research that more diverse teams, more diverse leadership actually leads to higher profitability. This is not just the right thing to do. It's good business. Yeah, yeah, I love the data on that. And McKinsey had a report recently about the boards that had women on them and how much more profitable the companies were because of course they yeah. want to know what companies they should invest in and so they're doing that research and and um yeah it, it oh, makes sense insane. right when you have diverse pr- perspectives you're more likely to have more creative solutions absolute diversity is a beautiful thing for an organization to have because we all think differently. You know, what I always say as a speaker, as a coach, I, you know, it's funny, I can go to events and I can go learn from other speakers about, you know, business stuff. But actually what I've done in my own career, just to show you an example of diversity, I went out and went to Broadway and learned how to train on Broadway with the dancers, believe it or not, because I realized that that's the same tribe, but a different clan of performers right? And by learning from a very diverse and different group, it's actually made me better at my job. So embrace diversity, embrace differences, because it will actually help you grow in really ingenious ways. Yeah. And it's like you said, we can't get rid of our biases. And that's when people try to say, oh, I don't have any or whatever. It's always like, oh boy, that's going to just make it harder. Because when you don't when you're not re- willing to look at it and, and and acknowledge it, then you can't stop yourself when it's happening. And one of the articles that I love was talking about, you know, if you have that one gay friend or that one black friend or whatever, you most likely do have a bias because that, l- l- listen to how you're describing that person. And it's not a bad exactly. thing. It doesn't mean you're a bad person and it doesn't mean you don't can't and, and aren't going to help that individual or, or interact with them in a good way, but you can only interact with them in a good way if you acknowledge that you just don't have the, you don't have the experience interacting with that community. And therefore you're going to have those biases based on that very instinctual force that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I mean, and this is, again, biases are just part of who we are. They're part of what keeps us alive. They're part of what allows us to make split second decisions. So our brain doesn't like uh, get, you know, freeze, right? And get like over, overheated, so to speak. We're constantly making judgment calls. So that's a part of life. And questioning why am I making that judgment call? One of the very common ones that we've seen a lot is, you know, you see a black man walking down the street and a woman will cross to the other side because she's scared. Now, that's how I, I will fully admit I have done that and it's been broad daylight and I will fully admit that is ridiculous. So when I question myself and I say, Laura, why did you do that? That is crazy. That is a bias that you have. We say, okay, I'm going to own that I have that and I'm going to vow to do it differently next time. So we have to admit that sometimes we have these biases. Sometimes we have learned them from childhood. Um, Just as here's another bias that a lot of people have. Asians must be really good at math and the violin. How many people have thought that? You know, these are the type of things that you kind of learn often growing up. But does that mean it's true? I mean, you know, 
No, it doesn't mean it's true. It means there's some people who are really good at those things. There's some people that are really bad. And the fact is we are all more similar than we are different. And so in leaning into how am I like this person? How, what do we share in common and what can they teach me is a beautiful tool. Yeah, and can I get to know this person and realize the power of that, especially as a leader, because then I'm demonstrating to everyone around me that individual people are important, regardless of bias, regardless of any of that. It really shouldn't even, Yeah, you shouldn't have to do it because of that reason. It, as you said, when we have empathy as leaders, and we're so afraid to have empathy as a leader, right? Then I'm going to look like a softie or a pushover or whatever mean. it is. People are going to take advantage of me. Yeah. Right. And it's not, empathy is not about being a pushover. I just want to be clear. It's not about, for folks who are listening, we're thinking, oh, that means I'm going to be a softie or I'm going to look weak. It's not about being a pushover. It's actually about understanding the experience of the person sitting in front of you and listening to it. And sometimes it can seem, so, I mean, I'll tell you a great story. Um, This is from a book of a guest we had on the show she um, wrote this book called The Empathy Edge, and in this story, she tells of the story of um, bill collectors who, of course, who wants to hear from a bill collector, right? But the bill collectors were very nice in the break room. Then when they would get on the phone, they were like barracudas screaming at people to give them money. So she started her own business, and she put empathy first as their values around how they were going to talk to customers. Not only being more empathetic, did they collect more money than any other bill collector? The people they collected from sent them thank you cards, invited them to their weddings. Can you imagine? That's what empathy does. It it is one, it is a great business decision because people want to work with you. It also helps retain clients and, uh, and employees, even in extremely challenging and difficult jobs where there is definitely high turnover. That's the advantage of being empathetic. Yeah, and what a time to call people to empathy, always and and forever, but definitely right now. And Laura, I've just really enjoyed talking with you. I know that people will enjoy, enjoy following you. So please let us know how people can connect with you, how they should follow you as they move forward. I would love to. So again, if you would like to connect with me, head on over to bravebydesign.net. There you'll find information where I teach ambitious women and allies how to live well and lead well. You can also follow my podcast, Brave by Design, where we bring on experts every week in the topics of career advancement. Um, And all my social links are all located there, so uh, on the website, so bravebydesign.net. Excellent. Bravebydesign.net. Thank you so much for your time, Laura. And if you're with us here today, you know that we'll come back and kind of tie a bow around this for you. But we're going to say goodbye to Laura, and you can um, connect with her at bravebydesign.net bydesign.net and we will look forward to talking or to coming back and tying this up for you right here on the career confidant the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking with Laura Khalil about how you can improve your communication and your interaction with others, especially where it comes to the idea of unconscious bias and microaggressions and having empathy for those that you work with. And we talked a little bit about the importance of giving each other the benefit of the doubt. And uh, and we are seeing this growth in people kind of jumping to conclusions and and being frustrated with each other. And we were seeing that even before um, COVID hit, at least here in the United States. And, uh, and of course, crisis never makes anything better, probably. So uh, as you read things online, as you get into conversations with people, I would say that discussions online have a similar trajectory to that that Laura and I discussed of email, that when you are misunderstanding what someone's commenting on a post or, or what have you, or maybe even you just you don't think you're misunderstanding, but you think they're wrong, online is probably not to have not the place to have that dialogue, that conversation. It doesn't become a a dialogue. It becomes a virtual screaming match most of the time. So think about those relationships with those people. If they're your Facebook friends, if they're your LinkedIn connections, that it's, it's really is about that relationship and how can you maintain that relationship, connect with each other, understand maybe what they believe if that's part of the discussion that you want to have with that person. Um, and she talked about resources and ways to, to calm our spirit, if you will, as we're thinking about connecting with people or having to do work online and all the pressures that are facing us right now. Um, as I do this show with my three-year-old downstairs, my husband's trying to corral him, but I can I can hear his little voice. Um, you know, we've all got multiple things going on in our lives and just being kind and understanding to each other, which isn't. And 
you know, it's not something new, but it is more challenging when we're under stress and to give ourselves that understanding that it is going to be more challenging. I've never been a huge fan of meditation. Sitting in one place just isn't in my nature. So a few other things that you can do if you feel like me and you're like, oh, yoga or meditation is just not my thing. Walking. So when I walk, I tend to either try to clear my mind and focus on my breath or have one specific problem that I'm trying to solve or idea that I'm trying to generate and really focus on that one idea and and try not to let my mind wander. And I come up with some amazing things, some amazing ideas, some amazing solutions while I'm, I'm walking, running, same thing, clear your mind. Running kind of does it for me, especially after like three miles. When I used to be able to run that long, you really couldn't think that much after three miles. So you got that med- meditative effect. Um, but if that, if you like to move, go and do those things, but think about your breath. Think about that one idea that you might focus on to calm your mind and give yourself that same effect. The, the app calm has been really good for me. So they have guided meditations, a little bit more structure helps me stay focused. Um, although I, I know that you're not necessarily quote unquote supposed to do this. I tend to do them at night, help me fall asleep and also get that kind of calming effect, focused effect there at the end of the day. So whatever works for you, but again, it's the idea of giving yourself connection so that when you do respond, it can come from a place of thoughtful intent instead of reaction. One of the other things I just learned today from Susan Whitcomb and James Beeman was around the breath four, seven, eight technique. And I'm not going to remember who this is from, but if you Google four, seven, eight technique breathing, sure it will come up. And it's a doctor who talks about this technique that you take um, a breath in to the count of four, you hold it to the count of seven, and then you exhale to the count of eight. I didn't say this in our session this morning, but I was thinking, oh, if you held that breath to the count of 10, you could also test yourself for COVID at the same time, right? <laughs> and, and and that would maybe serve two purposes at once. But say it's taking that breath in, count of four, holding it for the count of seven, and then releasing to the count of eight. And he's got a nice video that takes you through it. So um, you might Google that. But any kind of controlled breathing, paying attention to your body, paying attention to your breath. And this can be while you're walking. I do it while I'm on the elliptical if I'm not able to get outside. Um, And that connection to your body then helps you make better decisions. And it sounds really woo-woo, even even to me, and it works. There's neuroscience behind it. So whenever I start to go, oh, you know, this, this is a little fuzzy, no, there's some neuroscience behind it and it really can help. So, The ideas here are that some of the skills we knew were becoming important are heightened. People have been talking about bias. They've been talking about uncovering and dealing with unconscious bias for a long time. I love that Laura said, you know, you can't get rid of it. It's not something that you can work your way through necessarily. What you can do is understand what your biases are. They're usually against types of people that you haven't had much exposure to. It's understandable. Or against people that maybe think differently than you, um, people that your parents or et cetera said negative things about, uh, 
even your grandparents, which sometimes is more evident, right? Sitting in the room with my grandparents, hearing them talk about quote unquote Mexicans is really obvious that, hey, there's probably some latent bias there in me, even though I'd never heard my parents talk like that, because we have that familial everybody hears what their parents are saying and and in some way you pass that on a little bit unless you can specifically address that outwardly and when you make a statement catch yourself correct it and that's a constant work you're you are a constant work um, and that's a good that's a good thing whenever we think we've achieved something that's usually when we're in trouble when we think we know everything we're in trouble and being that constant work in process is is the goal right that's my goal and and i wish for for you to be that constant work of process so that you can constantly be learning and achieving and growing and of course that's what we're here to help you do on the show so i hope this has been helpful especially as most of us around the world are are dealing with some uncertainty right now even if we don't have the virus in our location uh, the financial impacts of it are definitely going to be wide wide and widespread we'll be back here again next week on the career confidant with more skills and tools and resources that you can use to grow your career If you have any questions or topics that you think we should address on the show, please feel free to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. Or, of course, you can always call in during the show. But feel free to reach out out to me with ideas, guests, or topics or questions that you have that we could address during the show or that I can address in other platforms. And if you are trying to find a new career or work on advancing your career, I encourage you to check out careerthoughtleaders.com. We have a directory there of professionals that can help you as well as resumewritingacademy.com. We have a, a, a bank of professionals, a directory of professionals there that have gone through rigorous training and can provide some expertise in terms of you marketing and branding yourself. So we look forward to seeing you here next week on The Career Confidant. And until then, again, feel free to share your ideas with me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We'll see you next week here on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.